Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. Welcome to Indie Music Podcast, episode 224. Tonight, Matt and Doug talk about Room EQ Wizard, commonly REW. They get into a deeper dive of setup, configuration, measurement mics, and techniques, and usages of EQ correction produced in REW. Enjoy the show. Yeah, you definitely have a room or, or double double input or something going on there. Testing, check one, two. That's better. Okay. What was that? Um, I deleted some changes that were in my podcast setup. I don't know. Oh. Weird. And I went back, I just reverted it. So whatever had changed, I ended it. <laughs> Stop messing with your setup. <laughs> oh, man, I, I'm trying to figure out how to quit messing with it. But it switching back and forth between podcast and mastering, and uh, there's always something. In, and then having to create my recalls mm-hmm. for the, my signal might be a little bit hot here. But it sounds good to me. Does it? Okay. Yeah. I'll just make yeah. sure I'm not clipping or anything. I think it's okay. That might have been from before. But anyway, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, if I sound a little different, it's because I'm, I've am i got a different mic going. I was messing with REW earlier and decided to just leave my Omni in place rather than change everything around again. Uh-huh. Uh, thinking that my time was short, not realizing that. <laughs> you were still in your guitar lesson. <laughs> you sound so three-dimensional right now. Oh, yeah. Probably there's more room in my in Yeah, my it sounds right good, now. though. Good. Yeah, this is a decent mic, this Behringer. Uh, it's, it's very similar to the one you get in those kits, you know, from, uh, you know, those those room calibration kits. It's very similar to that. It looks like yeah. a long yeah. wand or something. Yeah, I've got a couple of them. I've got one. It's a... Uh, now, I don't remember the brand of it, but I use that. It's an XLR input, and I use that for my live gig stuff. And then I've got another one, which is a USB. Oh, okay. It's the UMEC mic from uh, Mini DSP, and yeah. uh, I use that for my calibration. Yeah, I think that's a common one because they usually they sell them with kits or whatever, and they give you like the individualized calibration um, these Behringers, they're supposed to have like an individualized, I mean, it's got a serial number and everything. I should be able to, but I haven't been able to find, find a calibration to, file for it. Like, yeah. I mean, I found one, but it's not for this exact microphone. You know what I mean? It's yeah. for this model, but it's not for this exact microphone. Supposedly these are all individually tested and calibrated, but I bought this one, um, secondhand on eBay. I don't know if it was a refurbished or just lightly used and it came with everything except for, a. Some any kind of calibration file or way to get to it. Have you explored the manufacturer website? Uh, a little bit, not not extensively. It's one I of the reasons that... I got the UMIC is because it definitely came with a calibration file, and you can you can go and get them with your serial number if you don't. Yeah, have it. Yeah, I probably can. I may have to write to somebody, but um, what I'm impressed with is that you know the tip of this thing is so small; it's like the end of a pen or something. And it gets such big, flat, clear sound from what must be just like a tiny capsule. Yeah, I've never. It's a, it's a good thing. I, I should actually try using it and for recording and see how it does. Yeah, I mean, you got your great uh, shotgun mic there. 
Oh, yeah, Omnis are funny. More mics because better than less mics. <laughs> better than less mics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I imagine this is great for, you know, this would be good for maybe a, like a drum room sound or something like that or guitar room sound. Yeah. It's real clean. Yeah, it's super clean, super flat. Like disgustingly flat. Like <laughs> <laughs> like the the graph on it is like a line. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's important uh, to get that calibration file though and use it because what that does is it removes your the mic whatever EQ curve it does have from the measurements. Yeah, yeah. But man, I had this my segue got blown up here because you'd like jumped in you know um <laughs> but because i was going to be like well enough about me what about rue but oh <laughs> is that how you pronounce it that's I just how call I it r-e-w yeah i just call it r-e-w yeah you do too but that worked better for the sake that's cute though <laughs> <laughs> i do like a good segue oh <laughs> uh, let's see well i kind of wanted to get into I don't know how far we'll get, but I'd like to talk about some more specific stuff about room correction and using REW. Yeah, because I know we did talk about it before, but maybe not as in-depth as we had planned to go today. Yeah, and and honestly, I don't know if we can get all the way through it or not because it just depends. But yeah, but I think the hardest part is your setup and Agreed. just getting the preferences you know, so that really could be its own. Oh thing. yeah. I totally messed up my setup and I had to reset everything. And then I ended up quitting the program and opening it again. Cause it had, it wasn't really saving my changes. I mean, it's, it's not an easy piece of software to learn. And, no. it, and it, it, the instructions are built right into the software and they just kind of, it just kind of goes on and on. It's obviously written by scientists for <laughs> yeah. people who love scientists. And it's just kind of like, this is a dissertation. Just tell me how to use the thing. Yeah. So I watched a couple of videos, both of them had, or two or three videos, each one of them had a completely different way of calibrating and using the software. And I just kind of took the, I cherry picked the the best or, you know, somewhere in the middle of all of the instructions and made my own, you know, cheat sheet on how to set it up, how to use it two ways. Um, and I was trying to follow along with that. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Yeah, it can be complicated. But once you once you do get it set up, you know, then you can just go back and use it whenever you change something in your room, theoretically. Yeah. Yeah, I just came across uh, on my setup. Yeah, I've got a calibration file in it. If you're in preferences, it'll, it'll ask you if you want to load that, if you already yeah. have it. But I don't recall if it asks you if you want to add one if you don't already have one. Well, I think there's a place to put one. Yeah. So since And I- there's two kinds of calibration files. There's like a room calibration file. And then there's a microphone calibration. Yeah, file, right? I'm talking about the microphone calibration file because the room calibration file is like near the end of the process. It's, it's what you actually create that then you can use to, uh, if you have a regular equalizer and you can make corrections like on a, if you had like a graphic equalizer, that would be more appropriate for the correction oh, yeah. stuff. Or if you, you could set an EQ, a multiband equalizer up on your master bus in a plugin and leave it there. And that would be your correction. Right. And there's other stuff like sonar works and, and what I happen to use, which is an actual hardware device by mini DSP, which is a, uh, I can load correction files from REW into that, actually upload them into the, into the hardware device and it creates the corrections for me in the DSP. 
I like that. Now, let me ask you, does that mean that any, any sound coming through your computer out to your speakers gets that correction? It does to that particular set of speakers. I only have that right. set up on my mains in the studio. And so, yeah. which is my, my mains output one. And then I've got another set, which is my mains output two, that does not have that correction applied to it. I see. So I've got, and those are kind of like my truth telling monitors. So that'd be right. Like, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> truth telling <laughs> the, the soothsayers, you know, like a, like a mirror in a room where the lighting is like, Whoa, ah, <laughs> that's what I look like. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Oh, this is one of those mirrors that doesn't make me look thinner. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm hideous. Um, <laughs> well, that's what I'll tell you. That's what I, I tried out. I tried out the SonarWorks thing. And what I didn't like about it is that it has a, it has software that goes into your system and tunes every sound in your system. Yeah. And I just found that so intrusive and, and yeah. <laughs> I don't want to maybe presumptuous, but it's like, I don't want everything tuned. I need to have something to compare stuff to, you yeah. know, it's like, great. I want my room. I want my room tuned when I'm playing stuff out loud, but don't change everything that I listen to everywhere. Yeah. Then what do I have to compare it to? For me, it just depends on what set of monitors I'm listening on. So if I, oh, I can also turn the hardware device off and yeah. it'll just pass through, but I never oh, do I see. that. But the hardware device actually gets the correction loaded into it. And then my channel one uh, monitor, channel one output goes from my, um, my DA converter monitor outs to my monitor controller and then from my monitor controller to that device and then out of that device to my main speakers or to my amplifier rather and then my amplifier to the main speakers so it's in line with that channel and it affects there's nothing in my computer okay it's it's all about which set of monitors am i listening to right whether or not it has dsp applied so and i don't yeah i just want that for my mains Initially, I was like, ah, oh, I wish I would have had that for everything if I would have thought about routing. But now I'm happy that I don't because I don't have to listen to DSP uh, processed yeah. audio all the time, you know. So and and I don't want to, you know. I just no, it's great no, for for tweaking the audio so it's as perfect as you can get it. But that's not what anybody who anybody else hears it is yeah. going to listen through. So you know? yeah, so like my headphones or my uh, my smaller monitors, you know, those are those don't have any correction applied to them. And I want it that way because when I play back through those, I am hearing the the bounce file without correction applied to it. Yeah. But when I'm actually doing the production, I want to hear it with my room corrected so that I'm making adjustments based on that those corrections so that they're accurate. Right. My room curve is pretty good without, but the, this does help just tweak it. And and I will say that I've never used a correction file just as it is. Usually after I get them in there, I think it sounds like crap. And, and then I go in and I start making modifications because the DSP that I have actually has parametric equalization in it that I can mm -hmm. then tweak after the correction has been applied and uh, and then make my own adjustments to that correction. 
And I always do that. And that's, and I do that with um, reference tracks. Yeah. But, but yeah, getting set up. I did find that spot. It's under preferences. If you click mic meter and then click mic or Z weighted SPL meter. So that's where you enter the calibration. Oh yeah. Yeah. There your it is. Microphone. Yep. So on the first part though, I mean, this is, I know you ran into problems in this, uh, on the first the tab, which part. is sound card type yeah. and loopback stuff. And originally I did. Yes. Correct. I never ran into the problem. I haven't had experience with it. And I think that's because I use a USB calibration microphone and not, um, you know, an XLR line in for it. Oh, okay. Microphone. And I was wondering, what did you learn from that? Because I was curious, what was the problem? You know, I didn't I didn't take notes on what I did. Yeah, I don't remember what the problem was, except that um, uh, you just have to set your input device. I had to, okay, maybe it was that. Input device and output device should be set to wherever your microphone is hooked up. So in my case, it's my uh, PreSonus AudioBox interface. So input output are set to my audio box and then the output is set to speaker and the input is set to line in. Um, I think I may have assumed that under output, my choices are default and speaker. I may have thought at the time that if you select an output device, that it knows that default output, it belongs to that output device, for instance, but it just means your system default output, which would be, you know, the holes on the side of your computer. <laughs> yeah. So you, you have to, I mean, it's, it's not really that smart in terms of it, it expects you to tell it everything. Yeah. Um, and then for levels, your only choices are use subwoofer. I don't have a subwoofer, so I need to do main speaker test, that kind of thing. You just have to, you have to, you basically you have to tell it everything. It doesn't really have any way of it. It's a, um, I, I believe that this software is uh, is probably Java. It's it's basically platform agnostic, so it's not very good at telling anything about your underlying system. Right. Although my output, my devices are are there. It does definitely detect everything that I have, and I can choose my output device. You know, which is my uh, my converter, and uh, and which is also my input device. But I think. Um, I don't have my calibration mic hooked up right now. I'll have to mess with it again because that that might be actually end up being like system default device using the using the USB microphone. Uh -huh. But that's just I'll have to play with it a little bit and see because truth be told, I haven't run a calibration since I changed out my my interface for my new converter. And so I actually do need to run a new calibration. So I have to change these preferences. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I just did another calibration this morning. Mine, mine never, mine haven't changed very much at all since I started looking. So I, I, I do anytime I add something to the room or change something around here, I go, okay, I better do another calibration. But it's, it's once you do the, you know, psychoacoustic smoothing and look at the curve, negligible if any change whatsoever for me um in this room now along the lines of everything else that's that's in here i think sound card and mic meter tabs of the preferences are the only ones i've ever actually done anything with yeah those are the, the two rest big of the stuff ones. is all whatever the defaults are right uh the only thing i would say is under equalizer oh equalizer yeah i have my mini dsp I have, set 
Yeah, you have yours probably set to mini DSP. And if you have one of these branded ones, usually they come with something. I have mine set to generic uh-huh. um, because I don't have a DSP or it didn't come with any. My microphone didn't come with any of these things. Um, the other thing is this house curve. Uh, one of the one of the videos that I watched, uh, a, a guy was pretty knowledgeable. He has his own house curve that's a little bit. Um, it's a file you could download directly from his video, and it's not a flat curve. It's basically kind of along the lines of a, a pink or white noise curve, so that if you calibrate to that, you get a little more theoretically a little more uh, pleasing sound in line with what you want music to sound like. But that's completely optional, of course. Yeah, yeah, I have mine's. I've never used it. I just, yeah, it's yeah optional, because I'm taking so. whatever my house curve is, and I'm. I'm taking that as my baseline and then correcting it. So I guess I haven't really looked at, I haven't looked into that at all, but that's all I do in preferences though. And then I usually do a, a quick level check in the sound card tab. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Check level. And just make sure that, and that doesn't, isn't actually doing any measurements or anything. It's just making sure that you're, you've got, you know, good enough volume for the tests that you're getting ready to run. Yeah, there's a range of, of volume in and out that it needs in order to do a proper test. Yeah. Um, and again, there's all of the all of the, the information is right there under help, but it's not necessarily clear. Yeah. So I kind of And when you run around. that, it'll there's a, a series of meters and it'll it'll just let you, let you know if if you're in the green or or if right. it's too quiet. Yeah, or it'll too tell loud. you if it's too quiet. But that's what that's all about. And I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like your it's more your signal is more likely to be quiet than loud. Oh, I've been blown away before. I <laughs> oh, I have you <laughs> stuff up too loud. But yeah, I think it's there. Um, make sure and turn your monitors. Well, at this point in time, my next step is actually going to be to set the my SPL, and so I mm. I go ahead and turn my monitors down at this point, and I right start checking levels. From there, because I just don't want to, you know, have any accidents and blow a speaker out or something. <laughs> yeah, that would not be good. But the next thing I do is that there's an SPL meter in REW, and and I use it in combination. So my calibration mic becomes an SPL microphone. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so in the SPL meter, that'll allow me to read through my calibration mic um, what the actual sound level is and then there's a a generator tab right and that you can choose like a sine wave or um pink noise or white noise or i, I prefer the pink noise yeah that's uh, what for, i use test. and which basically sounds like just static <laughs> yeah yeah and then i go ahead and all that does is has a play button and it plays the noise so that your calibration mic can then measure the SPL. And the way that I use this is I designate in the SPL meter how loud I want each speaker to be. And so I, I actually turn all but one monitor off, which I start with my left one because I actually, I do all my comparisons to my left monitor. It doesn't matter. Okay. You could do it to the right monitor if you wanted, but um, I use left. And and then I'll do an SPL. You can choose in the um, in the generator, what speaker output you want. And so I'll just... Oh, so, oh I see. I was going to say, you can do sub-cal, speaker-cal, or full range. I, I put full range on mine because my uh, speakers are supposed to be 
you know, all the way down to 30. And even though I don't have a sub, um, if I just put speaker, I feel like it's not yeah. representative of my particular set of loudspeakers. Well, the thing is that well, I have a sub and I don't want it to send out the sub. And so I'll do full range. Actually, I turned my sub off just to make sure. Mm-hmm. And so like do full range because my monitors are full range monitors. Yeah. And uh, then I'll choose uh, the output to be speaker and then I'll choose the left. And if oh, you okay. look in the outputs, then you can see, you know, left, right, left plus right. You know, right. if you have a center, uh, an LFE output or whatever. Um, oh, would that show up there, I imagine? Yeah. And uh, anyway, choose which one you want. So I'll choose left. And the point is that I'm going to set my speaker to my desired SPL, the volume on that. Now, speaker. why do you only choose one? Because I'm going to do them individually. I see. And uh, so as soon as I do the, the first speaker and I get the volume, and I'm on the back of the speaker adjusting the volume knob, okay? Oh, okay. So the, the sine wave's playing and the microphone is picking up how loud and measuring how loud the signal is from my speaker. And as mm-hmm. I turn my speaker up on the back of the speaker, I'm looking for about, okay, I want to I wanna peak at 85 dB in my studio. That's where I like, mm-hmm. you know, could be 83 mm-hmm. or whatever. But, but one speaker alone, if you set one speaker alone to 85 and you set the other speaker to 85, <laughs> when you're done, that's going to end up being like 89, okay, with yeah. the combination mm-hmm. of the two speakers. So I start out, it's about 79 dB on the left speaker. And then I go over to the right speaker and I turn the left one off. And I send the signal to the right, and I get it set to 79 dB. Mm-hmm. And then I turn them both on, and I do a measurement to left and right together. And that should be pretty near 85. I haven't introduced my sub yet. Okay, so I'm probably around 83 dB or something like that. And then I do this. Then I turn those off, and I do my subwoofer and get it set. And my microphone is in the same position. It's my head position every time. Right. So that's where I'm measuring from. So you set up your microphone where you're sitting. And yeah, that's important. Yeah. And I put it in between my head. Now, I, for my SPL, I point my measurement mic toward the center. So where my head Mm -hmm. sits and I'm looking between my monitors, I don't point it at the monitor. I point it down the middle. And so the monitor is like offset from it, just like it is for my ears. Okay. So if my nose is pointing, forward you know so the microphone so it's getting a little bit of of signal coming in the side of the microphone so i'm measuring Mm -hmm. it that way now for the room calibration i don't do that i point my microphone to the ceiling but we'll get to that (laughs) hopefully (laughs) it's an omnidirectional mic and it doesn't really matter but it shouldn't but it does because i've looked at the graphs and it does matter yeah if you point it to the ceiling versus point it straight yeah. versus point it at the... And I am concerned... Ma- it doesn't change much, but... Concerned what's directly behind my head. Because if you're pointing it directly, there's got to be a very small area of rejection that is the microphone itself, and you don't have that pointing straight up and down. That's true. But um, with that said, I then SPL match all of my monitors, okay? With the goal of being at 85 dB with all the monitors on with the signal running. So in order to do that, you got to start lower because as you add speakers, the combined sure. audio from each driver Adds up. brings the SPL up overall. So that's the way I do that. I do an SPL match first. Do you do that? And for people, well, for people, SPL means sound pressure level. It's a measurement of actual air movement uh, from, from speakers. Yeah, or roughly dB or decibels. Right. How loud is it? 
Yeah, I think decibels is a measure of voltage, is it not? Yeah, I don't know. Technically. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you, Actual can, you can convert. Signal yeah, you generated. can convert. Yeah, it is, because you can convert watts and stuff directly into decibels. Right, because, there, yeah, there's different ways of measuring. Um, I don't go that deep. I know that my my, my monitors, I mean, my room is ne- not nearly as big as yours, and my monitors are um, new and set to their defaults, whichever, whatever that is. And then I just, I use the uh, input signal on my interface and then also the the main signal on my interface to control levels so that's that's like the first thing i do and then the next thing i do is i actually time align Mm -hmm. because with the audio you can measure to your calibration like how long it takes for a signal to get from a speaker to the microphone sure and the rew will calculate that for you and again this is i use my left monitor and i make adjustments uh, from that now, you can actually physically move your monitors and change their time alignment, and that is: are they in phase or not? So, if the signal's coming out of your left and right, and the left is reaching you ahead of the right, that means that they're somewhat out of phase. The actual waveform of the audio traveling through the air is not in phase with each other. Right. So, having those in phase is important. So it's not distorting the signal that you're hearing because you'll it'll cancel out frequencies through the phase cancellation so it's important at least to me to make sure that my monitors are time aligned and and so i go through a time aligned process i measure that um that's in the measurement area of rew and i wonder if i have i actually get the time align the timing comes in after you run it and i don't have this up right now but when you do a take a measurement, you get a total time or mm-hmm. you get a time stamp of how long the the signal took to reach your microphone in that measurement. Okay. And then what I'm doing then is I'm taking a measurement for each one of the monitors and whichever one is the lowest. My left monitor is the uh, is what I'm changing everything else to match for time alignment. But it may not be the the fastest or the, or the slowest of my monitors. Okay, um, it's just my reference point. And so, like, if it reaches me, say, you know, whatever. If it reaches me in in one millisecond, and my right one reaches me in one point two milliseconds, that means I need to either slow down or speed up the right one or slow down the left one in order to get those to be matched. And I can physically move the right one closer to me, probably less than a centimeter, but I can, and then take another measurement and see how it does. And you can get pretty close to doing that. Or I can actually apply that to my correction. And in my DSP, I have a channel delays. Oh, okay. And so for each channel, I can say, this is my zero, and then... And then on the other channel, I'm going to say, I want you to offset this by two milliseconds. So then it will then be time aligned. So it, um, uh, or conversely, I can make the right channel since it's slower, the reference point, and I can add two milliseconds of delay to the left channel so that they come out at the same time. So, okay. So I... Obviously, that that makes more difference the farther away the speakers are from you and from each other. What would make two speakers that theoretically are 
points of an equilateral triangle with your head, um, what would make them misaligned in time? Well, it could be, well, the first thing is your sound pressure level. Are they the same level? Right. And then their distance and angle to you. Right. That would be it. Okay. But the thing is, is when we're talking about audio, and if you've got, we're talking in, in terms of milliseconds, tape measure will only get you so close. It gets you pretty close, but if you want to, if you want to go for real accuracy, then you'll want to measure with the. Yeah. Yeah. My, my loudspeakers are only about three feet away from me. And it depends and on what frequencies too. Yeah. But it's just one of those things. It's a detail. And if you take the sum of all the details together, I think that makes a difference. So part of what I do. I agree. After that, so I, I've got my, I'm ready to measure at that point. So because my speakers are set up and level matched as well as time aligned. And now I feel confident in taking a, a measurement in the room. Because <laughs> also that having those um, level matched and time aligned would affect the pink noise generation as well and how that reaches the microphone. Mm-hmm. But I also do, I don't know if you do this or not. I do a room measurement for each speaker individually um, because I apply calibration to each speaker individually and as a whole. I probably I probably would if I had DSP, but I don't. Yeah. Um, what I do instead is I, um, I take, I do it two ways. One way uh, I take multiple measurements from the same location, I, which is roughly my head location, one pointing at the left speaker, one pointing at the right, one pointing center, one pointing up, one pointing down, and then average them. Oh, okay. I don't do that. I do a moving mic method. Well, that's the second way that I do. Oh, okay. I like I prefer the moving mic method, but I I I, I like to see how uh, the difference is. It it usually ends up being the same as the yeah, average. Yeah, I was going to say it probably yeah, the average because that's it's all about the average. Yeah, taking the measurement. So what we're talking about is how we're actually the technique of, of the microphone. And I rotate and move the microphone in a circle around my head position. Mm-hmm. And on that one, I actually have it pointing horizontally, not up. Right. That's how I do it too. And it, well, it changes angle because you're moving your arm. But basically, I'm yeah. taking my arm with a microphone. And I'm moving it in a circle a little bit bigger than the size of my head around the location of where my head sits in my listening position. And I do, I don't know about you, I like to do 50 samples and average those 50. And then I'll go on to the next measurement, do 50 samples, and then average those 50. And those are my my individual channels. Yeah, so let's talk about, for just a quick second, how that's done. Um, and maybe, I don't, I think we do this the same way. You have the generator button and then set that to pink noise. And I just leave it at RMS level minus 12, mm-hmm. um, output speakers. I can leave it on full range and then open up the, um, the RTA, which stands for real time analyzer, yep. that button. And I have mine set to, what is it? 124th octave Blackman Harris, uh, forever averaging. So I, I have it on forever. Um, this can be whatever. Then, you can change them after the measurement, too. Yeah. And then um, click the play button on the generator, and it makes the pink noise sound, which, I gosh, I could probably, <laughs> just so you know what it sounds like, it sounds like this. Lovely. Did you hear that? 
<laughs> you know what? I recommend having a set of headphones that aren't plugged into anything or some earplugs during this process, by the way. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> to, to protect your ears, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it is loud. It can be. It's all frequencies all at once. And it's, uh, yeah. I will usually, I put a delay on it. Start this in five seconds, you know, because you can do that when mm-hmm. you take your measurement. Yeah, I did that. And too. then I get out of there. <laughs> I actually don't want my body in the way anyway. So I step back in the back and just cover my ears up. Yeah. Uh, so after you pl- click the play button on the generator, then you click the record button, uh, the red button on the um, the RTA, and then it just, and that's how it starts to read the graph of the the noise from the pink noise. Yeah. And then that's when you start moving the microphone around. It's cool. I do 50 samples and I do three measurements mm-hmm. and then I and average, then average those three. That's what I do. Yeah, I do the same thing. Uh-huh. But I like 50. I don't know why. It's That's an arbitrary number. <laughs> you know, you could probably be fine with 20 or 30 or something like that, but... Yeah, what I find is it quickly jumps to uh, a kind of like a set yeah. graph that really doesn't change it much. Settles in, that. so yeah, it settles in pretty quickly. So I don't really pay that much attention to how many samples because it's so. By the time I pay attention, it's already settled. Yeah, into where I think it's, it's probably be. settled in by twenty or thirty, and then mm-hmm. I, ju- I guess I just do it for good measure to make sure that it's for good measure, a good measure, you know. But <laughs> but yeah, you get those, and then you get your averages of what your actual room measurements are. And now this is where you can you can use these measurements to to make decisions on your room acoustics. Right. So that's the next cool part. Once you get your averages, where is that button? I always kind of lose the buttons. I mean, I'm look I'm looking at it right now, my averages. Uh what did, oh it does say 55. So I guess I do around the same. I have to do 55 now. <laughs> Where is the area where you can actually say there's a there's a spot where you can generate the correction of a file that gives you all of the corrections? Oh, maybe it's it's EQ. Yeah. It, okay. It is. It's EQ. It's EQ. Oh, how did I not know that? Yeah. Yeah. Because what are okay, we doing so it's here? The EQ We're creating right. a freaking EQ. <laughs> We're creating freaking EQ right here. Yeah. So you okay? So this is a not a button at all. It's under tools at the top. No, it's EQ. a button. It's is it? It's on the top. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yep. Yeah, okay. So this yeah, is where if you have... <laughs> so if you have a house curve, this is where it would show up. as In mine, it shows up as a blue line uh, called target. Oh, is that what it is? And That is yeah. not my target. And then, um, so this is where... It's, okay, so I have all these tabs on the right. So the equalizer generic, that's what I had set before. Um, target settings, I was actually instructed from one of these videos to change those ones that say 1.8, the LF rise slope and HF fall slope to change those to zero. And then the target level shows, I don't know where that comes from, but it shows basically what the flat line is that you're measuring your curve against. Yeah. Right. My, the and last thing I measured was my subwoofer. So that's what's loaded up in here. So I've got like a cutoff and LFE cut off hurt i'm only measuring 80 hertz for that yeah and so that target level what that's going to do is if you go under what is it resonances yeah no filter tasks see i it's in this area that i actually make my um 
my modifications to the to the curve that it's provided me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, so I can see my my room curve from the averages. And then I'm going, okay, I, this looks like a little bit of a problem here. I've got, uh, you know, like maybe I've got like this uh, uh, 60, 65 hertz bump. And yeah. uh, like, I wonder if I can flatten that out and I can actually tweak to pull down a range, you know, like a Q area around, around 65-ish or whatever like that, that'll bring down that hump and uh, make a uh, compensate for that um, through mm-hmm. through the EQ adjustment. That's how I use this anyway. So once I get my actual curve, and I'm not seeing that particular... Oh, I just found it. Because, you know, here's the thing about this interface. Some of these things are menu items. Some of these things are buttons. Um, some are obvious and some are not. If you click on filter tasks, once you have your, once you have your EQ filter here, once you, if you click on the filter tasks... It says match range. Oh, there it is. Yeah. The default is 20 to 20,000, which is, you know, the typical range of human hearing that we set all these things to. Um, If you click match response to target, which actually is a link, it will generate kind of like an inverse curve. Oh, yeah. And then you can take that and say and click on save filter coefficients to file. And it will generate a flat file. Uh, telling you um, how to set an EQ to make the differences uh, in the in your target curve to whatever it measured your room at, and this is what I think this is what those um, like SoundWorks and stuff does is it basically generates that curve and puts it into its software, and that's what your DSP does. Yeah, um, to basically make an inverse curve. That flattens out whatever it determined your room sounds like exactly, um, and matches it to the curve uh, that's your reference curve. In my case, is uh, and I actually is take that curve. Actually, take that text file that's generated, and that's what I upload into my DSP. There you go. You can also take that text file and just kind of like look at it and 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 make a make an EQ preset for your DAW, and then and that's what I do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Look at it, and then you've got. You use like an EQ on your master bus. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so as easily as that. So you could, if you got a good multi-band EQ, Mm -hmm. because you're going to need a lot of bands, bands. (laughs) or you'll need a lot of instances of EQs. That's true too. Yeah. You can use multiple EQs. Depending on your CPU availability or a decent... A decent hardware graphic EQ would work, and those are not necessarily expensive. No, you probably get that at Goodwill. Yeah, probably <laughs> would work. Behringer makes a a device, you know, for room correction, you know, and then Mini DSP, like what I use, it's not that expensive, and it's a really just a small. I use the Mini DSP two by four balanced because I want. All my connections in the studio are balanced connections. So I, I run a balanced signal to it and runs a balanced signal out to my amplifier. Lots of different choices there, but on the on the no budget side, you could just throw some EQ plugins and apply the corrections based on Yeah. Well the one I think I used was the uh, the Waves Q ten because it has so many bands. Yeah. 
But Logic has that vintage graphic equalizer that is just sliders, like, you know, like you put on your old stereo. That works too. Yeah. But at that point, you're you're pretty much done in REW. Yes. And I save my files so that I can do some comparisons. And because mm-hmm. I like to, when I change things in the studio, to run measurements and then take a look at what ha- how it has changes. It could be I, I hung up some new panels or I added a new device like my like my converter, which I so I haven't done a measurement yet. I need to do that. I want to see how that changed by itself. It compares to what I had with my old uh, with my with my old interface, you know, perhaps there's mm-hmm. like a difference there. I kind of expect there to be a difference in, yeah, I would think so. In how that, you know, that audio is reproduced and the frequencies. I think that, you know, the definitely the higher quality, better, better digital analog conversion. I'm expecting to have more frequency detail as it was definitely audible. Yeah. Which if I can hear it, that means there should be definitely something visible in a, in a measurement to see. So what is it? Yeah, I do both. I save um, screenshots of the graphs as well as the files oh, themselves. Do you? Yeah, I do some yeah. just for bragging. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've sent a couple to you. I was like, oh, um, yeah, well, let me take that 60 hertz. No, uh, Yeah, you think, you go, okay, <laughs> let me, I can do better than that. <laughs> I got a flatter curve than you, buddy. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> That's. Not necessarily a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, yeah, anyway, um, that's rude. You know what we didn't mention? This is free software. It is free. You the microphone's not free. It. The microphone's not free. I think but I paid about $70, 60 to 80 bucks for somewhere mine. in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And what you want is a f- flat omnidirectional mic. Mine, uh, I believe it's a Behringer 8000. If you can get a calibration file, it's a real bonus because that'll make sure that your your microphone itself isn't causing incorrect data in your measurements. I'm on, I'm on Behringer's website right now trying to get one. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a generic one, but I don't have one tuned for this exact model. This exact, I mean, this exact microphone, which, uh, which is good to have. Yeah. Well, I think that's it, man. Yeah, I think that that's what it. I got. I mean, it, I don't think we can do more without like <laughs> without making a video. Without making a video, so. <laughs> and there's videos out there, yeah. so you know we're doing this instead, <laughs> basically. Yeah, because we're an audio podcast and we hate video, right? <laughs> <laughs> or don't hate video, but hate working on video. It's just not our jam, no, man. It's not our jam. It's definitely not. I don't belong anywhere near a camera. <laughs> we both have on uh, either side faces <laughs> faces for radio yeah <laughs> faces only all a right. mother could love there you go <laughs> all right man yeah i think we covered that pretty well right i'll be editing out those long <laughs> where's this button again <laughs> uh, very good all, all right, right listeners well, thank uh, you so much yes thanks for listening thanks for tuning in i hope this helps yeah. uh, let us know if it does and let us know if you have any questions. We'll try to answer them. All right. Cheers. Thanks. Have a great week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. 
Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating.